0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of flyingfreenow.com, and you're listening to The Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to Episode 137 of The Flying Free Podcast. Today we have some great listener questions, so let's get started.
1: Hi, Natalie. Um Thank you for your podcasts. They're amazing. Um, I just recently discovered them, and I don't know what I would do without them. (laughs) Um, I am a listener from South Korea. Um, I do. I am from the States, however, and I just have this question that's just been uh, really... um, just has been burning <laughs> to get to get across to somebody, to have somebody answer. Um, but basically, my sister had posted on social media um, about how much she uh, has been blessed, you know, um, from her spouse of eight years of marriage. And it was her anniversary, and she just loves her spouse. Uh, she's really experienced God's goodness and love through her marriage, um, whereas she used to be cynical before that. Um, and it was really hard to read. It actually has pretty much wrecked me reading that because I've been in um, an emotionally abusive marriage for almost ten years. And um I just really uh, question God's goodness and love for me and why why it's so different, I guess. Um, why God's goodness and love follow her, but not me.
0: Thank you for asking that question. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know that I can. Um, I've experienced that circumstance um, and some of those feelings myself. So let's dig into that. Um, One of the things that I teach and do a lot of coaching on in my programs is that all of our emotions are created by the thoughts and beliefs that we have in our brain. They're not created by our external circumstances. Okay, so this listener thinks that she is wrecked emotionally because her sister posted something on social media, but that's not why this listener is emotionally wrecked. She's upset because she is making this mean that God doesn't love her, that God loves her sister because he gave her a good marriage, and he doesn't love her because he didn't give her a good marriage. So she's wrecked because of her core programmed beliefs about God about marriage, about sisters, about social media, and all the nuanced layers of core beliefs that are likely, that have been programmed into our brain from a very young age. Let me give you another example. We think that we're triggered because our mom doesn't hug us back and snaps at us when we try to say hi to her at our daughter's wedding. We think her behavior just triggered us. But it didn't. Our thoughts about her behavior triggered us. What we made her behavior mean about us is what triggers us, okay? Our beliefs, our understanding, our thoughts are what create our emotions. We were triggered because we have core beliefs and thoughts that maybe, maybe sound something like this. My mom doesn't love me. I'm a bad person. I should be a better daughter. It's my job to make my mom happy. I have failed. God is disappointed with me. I'll never be accepted by my family, and I can't live without that. I'm all alone in the world. Now, when we have those thoughts, they're gonna, those thoughts are what are going to make us feel shame and despair and loneliness and maybe even anger. And when we feel those kinds of emotions in our body, we tend to shut down and we aren't present to enjoy our daughter's wedding. We go through the motions and we loop in our mind, and our internal focus is on how terrible we are and how terrible our mom is, and how terrible life is, and how unfair it all is it all is. And then we fail to live our amazing life that day. Now, here's how we know that it isn't the circumstance that triggers us or wrecks us emotionally, because that same circumstance or fact, could have happened to someone else who had completely different beliefs and thoughts, and they would feel very different about it as a result. So let's say that someone else had a sister who posted on social media, but this person had a core belief that she was loved no matter what, and that her marriage, being abusive, had nothing to do with her or God, but had everything to do with the choices of one particular abusive man, her husband. Let's say that she had a core belief that everyone in the world deserves to find a healthy partner, including her, and that it wasn't up to God to find her that partner, but that God gave that responsibility to us humans and promised to love us no matter what we chose or didn't choose. That God is all about giving us freedom to make mistakes and be a hot mess sometimes. How might a person who has those core beliefs baked into the fabric of who she is, How might that person think when her sister posts about her happy marriage on social media? She might think something like, Look at that! Look at my sister being all badass and living her amazing life. I'm so glad she found a good guy. I'm going to find a good guy too one day. But in the meantime, i got to figure out what I'm going to do with the one I've got. And I'm so glad God is always on my side cheering me on. Let's go! Now, these kinds of thoughts would create feelings of anticipation about the future, warmth and love toward her sister, warmth and love toward herself, and warmth and love toward God. It also those those kinds of feelings would also create this motivation to do something about her own crappy marriage. And then, all of those emotions working together would help her take action in her own life that would create the result that she's looking for, which is an amazing life with a good partner one day. Now, I know all of this is true because I'm personally familiar with this circumstance, and at one point in my life, I shared the same core beliefs that this listener has, and I had the same results. I was miserable, stuck, and felt very little love for myself or for the friend, it wasn't a sister, but a friend who was posting. I actually see, we we see a lot of friends posting about their amazing marriages, right? Right? and they're amazing families. That's kind of what people do on social media. Now, the work that I teach in my programs is the work that I personally had to do to change my own life. I had to first change what I believed about God, what I believed about marriage, what I believed about friendships, social media, my future, and all the things in order to create the result that I'm living today, which is, I am now married to a healthy partner who loves me completely. Now, was this easy? Do we just snap our fingers and this happens? No. You guys, it was hell to go from one side to the other, and it took several years. But if I can do it, so can you. Plus, I have helped hundreds of women do this too. Every day I get to hear about the breakthroughs that women are having in my programs. It is the most gratifying, enjoyable, miraculous thing I have ever done in my entire life. But it had to start with me in my own brain. I work with a lot of Christian women who really wanted to make a difference in the world. These are natural-born people helpers, and they love helping others. But they themselves are stuck in their beliefs and their dirty pain. Ladies, you can only help others and take them to the places that you have gone yourself. Now, I used to think that I was worthy if I was helping people. And I think that we as Christian women are kind of taught that, right? I thought that we, I could create this worthiness in myself if I was really successful at helping other people. And, you know, I, I think we can do that to a certain degree. But think about how much you could help others if you had personal inner freedom and momentum in your own thoughts and your own emotions, if you are helping others from this place of personal intrinsic worth, rather than self-worth that depends on other people and their response to you, or self-worth that depends on the fact, you know, whether or not they transform or not, right? Because if our worth depends on anything outside of ourselves, I'm sorry, but we're screwed. This is why we see so many Bible study leaders or church leaders, or women's ministry leaders who feel this desperate need to control everyone and what they believe, because their own worth is riding on the responses of other people. What if we could lead a Bible study, or a church, or a ministry, and we could just let everyone have space to make their own choices and to change at their own pace or not change at all. What if our worth stayed totally intact, regardless of what others did or thought or said? So what if we could help other women who are asking us for help, but if they didn't change and they didn't grow, we could be totally okay with that and still love them. And it didn't mean anything about us or the job that we were doing. Do you see how this just brings so much more peace and love and joy to your whole life? What other people do or say says nothing about us, you guys. It only gives you information about them. When sister posts on social media, what she is sharing is about her. It's not about me. I get to, And I get to make it mean whatever I want to make it mean. When mom scowls and refuses to hug me back at my daughter's wedding, it tells me something about where her head is at. It doesn't say anything about me as a person. That actually happened last month at my daughter's wedding. And because I've done a lot of this work in advance, and because I've spent the last few years rewiring my brain about what I believe about God and my childhood and my parents and my siblings and abuse and myself and love and all the things... When my mom did that at my daughter's wedding, my knee-jerk thought was simply this. My mom is who she is. This is how she shows up for herself. I am who I am. And this is how I show up for myself. I love my mom and I love me. My mom, it looks like she might be hurting and angry. And she insists on hanging on to her core beliefs. And that's okay. She gets to do that. I'm going to give her space to be herself. And I am going to have an amazing time focusing on my daughter and my new son-in-law and having a blast at this wedding. Now, all of those thoughts created feelings of peace and joy. And I had an incredible time. You guys, there was a time not that long ago when that could have happened to me and I would be spinning out and feeling... Agony and loneliness and shame and hopelessness, because my thoughts would be have been totally different when my mom treats me like that. Christian women think that it's selfish to take care of themselves, so they never do that deeper healing. They never examine their core beliefs or question those beliefs with curiosity and compassion. So to the listener who left this question, I would invite you to do this hard emotional work of writing down your thoughts when you get triggered like this. When something happens, that's the best time to get your thoughts out of your brain and out on paper. And then you can pick just one thought and examine it and ask yourself some questions to see if you can get your brain to let go a bit. Your brain believes that it's programming, and its thoughts are just facts. It's just a fact that good marriages come to those who are loved by God. Therefore, if my marriage is bad, I am not loved by God. But what if you're wrong about that? What if your brain is wrong about that? I mean, think about it. If that's really true, God doesn't love anybody because actually everyone has hard problems to live through. If God only loves if we have if if we only believe that God loves us when we have evidence that our lives are going to maze balls and we're like, you know, living in la la land all the time, then nobody is going to ever have any kind of affirmation that God loves them. And and if that's true, what about the hundreds of thousands of women who are married to fools? God must dislike a lot of women. He kind of sounds like the men that they are married to picking favorites, being fickle, abandoning women, being abusive. I don't really like that kind of God, and I I reject that kind of God, to be honest. But what if God loves your sister in her amazing marriage, and He loves you in your terrible one? What if good or bad marriages have nothing to do with our worthiness or God's love for us? Now, when you ask yourself some of these questions, don't get judgmental or critical. That that just shuts down the whole process. Do we? Do, do, does there is literally no human being who's just like, oh, totally judge me, criticize me. I love it. Bring it on. Nobody does that. Nobody wants that. We all kind of shut down when people judge us or get critical of us, and we shut down when we do that to ourselves. If you if you want to gain self awareness and change anything you're going to need to look at your brain's programming with a lot of compassion and love. I actually, I, I sometimes I'll say in my programs, we need to look at it with two Cs, compassion and curiosity, okay? That's how your brain is going to be able to feel safe enough to change its mind, if you want it to. And this is the work that we do in my programs I have a program called Flying Free. It's for women of faith in emotionally abusive relationships. And you can learn more about that program. We have an application process to get into the program. And then you will be invited in um, if your application, if you indicate that you are ready for this kind of work in your application. So um, you can learn more about the program, all the things about the program, and also apply by going to joinflyingfree.com. And then the second program that I have is for divorced women of faith. And same process. There's an application process to get in. You get an invitation if you're ready for it. And you can learn all about that program by going to joinflyinghigher.com. All right. Let's listen to the next question.
2: Okay. I just listened to your podcast and it was great. Um, even though I already knew most of it, it's good for my brain just to hear it again. But I'm 52 and I'm technically challenged. And when you said leave a review at Apple, I'm scared if I leave a review that my name is going to pop up and that my husband is going to see it. Because I just joined Facebook a few years ago and I realized that when I liked or followed certain things, that it showed up and that scared me. So I would love it if you would do a show on how technology plays into all this too. I, I know that's not your, your thing, but, but for someone who's been a homeschool mom for 26 years, And hasn't been in the workforce, except for piddly little things. I'm scared half to death of technology. So I love your group. I've gotten friends to join. And I think you're a badass woman. And I definitely am now, too. Okay, so
0: the recording dropped out after that. Um, But (laughs) Um, thank you for this question. Uh, I think we need to look at our brains programming because I run into this in my own brain all the time. All right. I'll want to solve a problem in my business. Like, for example, last year, I wanted to provide this a better private forum for my programs for the women in my programs. And my brain's automatic response to that is, you don't know how to do that. That's not possible. You'll have to learn something totally complicated. It's going to be too hard to get everyone into a new forum and start all over again. It's going to take a long time to figure it out. It's so confusing. I'm overwhelmed. My br- that's my brain, okay? Brain chatter on steroids. And honestly, that just those kinds of thoughts just make me want to shut down. But because I am very familiar with my brain's chatter and my physical brain having a cow all the time, I address it. And I say to my brain, brain, I've done harder things than this. Now, if someone else can do this, and obviously they do, then so can I. I don't have to know how right now. I'm just going to take the first step, and then I'll go from there. And then that kind of calms down my brain. My brain wants to know all the things. I want to know exactly how it's going to happen before I let you do anything, Natalie. And I'm saying, no, you don't have to know how. We're just going to take the first step. Now, a couple of months later, you guys, I had everyone in a new forum, and it was beautiful. We have more interaction and involvement in our new forum than we've ever had before. But do you see, I would not have gotten that result if I had listened to my brain and just gone with my brain's programming. I had to look at my brain's programming and then override it in order to accomplish what my adult adult self wanted to accomplish. Give you another example. If an elderly lady wants to learn how to use a computer, her brain may tell her, oh, that's too hard. I'm too old. I won't remember. It's complicated. I don't get it. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. And those thoughts are going to cause her body to feel overwhelmed. She's going to have this feeling of overwhelmness in her body, and she will shut down because that's what we do when we're overwhelmed and confused. We just kind of shut down. And the result is going to be that she never learns how to use the computer, thereby proving to her brain that her belief is true. This just solidifies her programming. Do you see that? However, you could take another elderly woman who wants to learn how to use the computer, and she might have the thought, hmm, seems hard, but also I can do hard things. I can learn. It might take me longer because I'm older now, but I think I can do this. And then those thoughts create a feeling of motivation in her body and hope in her body. And that feeling inspires her to take a community class where she learns how to use the computer, thereby proving to her brain that what it believes is true. She can do whatever she chooses to do. All right, so let's get back to this listener's question about technology. She said that she is afraid So knowing that all of our feelings come from our thoughts, we know that her fear is coming from a core belief that she has about herself and about technology and maybe about some other things too, because these things are nuanced and layered, right? We can't just like say, you know, slap simple answers on everything. There's a lot of nuance here. But when we start examining things, that's when we get to explore and get, it's actually really exciting and very fascinating to explore the inner workings of our brain. Now, when I'm examining a core belief, I like to ask myself some probing questions. This is kind of like taking a hoe and tilling the ground in order to plant seeds. The ground represents my core beliefs, my brain's programming. But before I can plant the seeds of a new thought, I need to plow through the old thoughts and then kind of pick, up, pick those old thoughts up and look at them with curiosity and compassion to see what's going on inside of my brain. So in this case, the circumstance is using technology. And this person has a thought or belief about technology or whatever that's causing her to feel some fear. Maybe her thought is something like, everyone could see what I post anywhere online. I actually had a friend who would not text me because she was afraid that someone out there would read our texts. And I wasn't able to convince her that nobody was really interested in our conversations. But she had a belief And this prevented her from texting, which is totally okay. I mean, you get to believe whatever you want to believe. And if you like the feelings that you get when you believe that thought, and you like the actions that those beliefs inspire you to take, and you like the results that you're getting in your life, then by all means, we want to hang on to those beliefs. It's only if you don't like the results, or you don't like the feeling, or you don't like the actions that you're taking as a result of how you feel. Well, then it might be time to, you know, pick up those beliefs, like picking up the dirt of, you know, the earth that you just hoed and, and, you know, dug through and examine it with that compassion and curiosity to find out why do I believe this? So here are some questions. I like to ask myself, what if there's nothing wrong here? I mean, what if it's okay if someone listens to my conversations? I'm not saying that I have to like it. I'm just saying, what if it's okay? What if technology is easier than I think it is? What if I'm safer than I imagine? Where did I learn that others might be tapping into my computer? Maybe Facebook and Apple iTunes are different. How can I find out? I'm just going to be curious and do some Googling and maybe learn a few things. Okay, I'm not saying that you have to ask yourself those questions. I'm just saying that this is what I do when I am, you know, face to face with a belief that I'm not sure... I want to hang on to because it's really not helping me move forward in my life. And I might answer those questions and, you know, solidify that belief. I might decide, you know what, I actually really like this belief and I'm going to hang on to it because it keeps me safe and I want to be safe online. But if we stick with our original beliefs, um, we may continue to feel afraid and nobody is going to be able to feel uh, to move forward if they are paralyzed with fear. Now I don't have all the answers about technology. I'm actually not the greatest with technology. I'm a right-brained creative, so when it comes to technology and numbers, I really feel lost. My brain my brain does tend to shut down. Now, that's also just a belief I have. Nobody has diagnosed me with, you know, uh you, you have been diagnosed with the inability to learn technology. Nobody's diagnosed me with that. I, it's just a belief that I have. I'm not very good with technology. I could actually change that belief. And I actually have had to grow my belief that while I may feel lost with technology, I am able to learn the things that I do need to learn and know in order to do my job. So I know the, I just am telling you right now, I know the minimum amount that I need to accomplish my goals, and that's kind of all I care about. And I'm content with that. So that's all I can share with you as far as my my personal knowledge about iTunes. So here's what I know about reviews on iTunes. Most people leave reviews anonymously especially when it comes to the survivor community. If you go to the, all I have to do is Google Flying Free Podcast on Apple iTunes, You'll it'll come up at the top. And if you go, uh, link into there and read some of the reviews, you're going to find all kinds of interesting names, like um, African Mom, Enjoyed It, Queen Laffy, Pea Sacker, Gumma Mom, Church Chick, and more. Now, I'm pretty sure that no mom ever looked at her newborn and said, I know. Let's call her P-Sacker. That's it. So you can pick any fun name you want and leave your review. And I hope you will be creative because I like to enjoy these reviews and the names sometimes make me giggle. I think personally I want Queen Laffy to be my name. So here's the other thing that I know (laughs) about technology. Google is my very, very, very best friend. And has been my best friend for over 20 years. And you know how I know how long Google has been my best friend? (laughs) I Googled it. (laughs) I wanted to Google and find out how long Google's been around. That's how I found out how long she's been, he or she, Google, I guess it's a neutral, has been my best friend. You guys, I built a lucrative handmade soap business with just me, my friend Google, and my friend YouTube. It didn't cost me anything. That's how I built that soap business. I literally Google between 10 to 20 things every single day. On days that I'm learning something new, I just Google a lot more. All I do is pop whatever my question is into the Google search bar and answers magically appear. I spent most of my life not knowing what a computer was, okay? I'm, I'm almost 55. So for me... A gal who loves to learn, this feels like I died and went to heaven. All right, you guys, let's listen to the next question here.
2: Hi, Natalie. My name is Shelby, and I have a couple of male friends that are in a bad situation with a narcissistic wife in a Christian marriage. And I just wondered, where would you send these fellas for help?
0: Yeah, I love this question, and I'm really glad that you asked it. Um, I know men in abusive relationships as well. I don't work with men, so I don't have, I haven't created any resources of my own to offer, but when a man reaches out to me for help, which it does happen a few times each month, I always refer him to a website called shrinkformen.com and it's spelled shrink like S-H-R-I-N-K, four is the number four, okay? So shrink, the number four, men, M-E-N dot com. Now, there are lots of great articles and videos on that website. And you and women, you guys can get help over there as well because the principles of dealing with a narcissist are the same whether that narcissist is a man or a woman, okay? And you guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.